Tree Talks podcast acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the lands on which we work and pay our respects to Indigenous elders past, present and emerging. Sovereignty has never been ceded. It always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Welcome to episode two of Tree Talks podcast. I'll be going across the pond and talking to Mary Reynolds from Ireland. Looking forward to you listening. grew up in the southeast of Ireland on a small farm. Um, there were six kids and I was the youngest and um, I spent most of my time wandering around outside. Um, my parents were full-time farmers and they also had full-time jobs so they were very busy and it was kind of benign neglect you know and, and so I had a lot of freedom and so I didn't really make any connections with people. I mostly made my connections out in nature and I still find that that's my safe place, you know. Were you involved in the farm work? You had to get um, help out with that kind of thing? No, it was classic kind of um, 70s, 80s Ireland. Women were really not given those skills a lot of the time. Not all the time, but um, my brothers were taught how to do everything. And the three sisters were basically not. No, we were inside stuff I I didn't do anything at all in fact but um, the other girls learned how to do stuff but um my brothers can do everything they can do everything did you have a close relationship with your siblings then because of that or or no you were just did went off and did your own thing because everyone had their roles yeah I didn't really hang out with any of them really I was just just doing my I kind of just spaced off and went outside so was there a certain age where you kind of like flew the nest and then wanted to do your own thing and then what did what did that look like if you're not given a role or not given uh, skills when when you're transitioning away from home and doing going off to do your own thing how how does that look for you I went to college because it was kind of an expected thing to do you know and um I only studied landscape design because I fancied a boy on the course didn't have any interest in it and sure that only lasted a couple of weeks and then sure here I am you know (laughs) (laughs) but okay so uh first few weeks you're distracted by your attention with with the lad and then um but did was there anything in the course that kind of uh triggered you or caught like caught your attention or you were like actually I really like this or is it just oh I'm in, in here now I'll just do I'll just do this it's mostly that um, I, I I liked drawing a little bit and I liked the history of landscape design. I thought that was really interesting. Like, and I always saw it as a kind of a, a gradual kind of um, guillotine, uh, a timeline of a guillotine between ourselves and the natural world, you know. So then connecting from when you were a kid to this landscape design, was there any awareness of, of what they're teaching you and then this this break of um of how you interacted as a kid in 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 nature no I didn't figure that out till a good bit later no yeah, okay. I, I just 
joined the dots and kept doing what I was supposed to do for many years, you know, until, well, you know, until that many, I suppose, maybe when I was 27 or 26, I started to realize that, you know, there was something wrong with what I was at. I just wasn't happy about it. You know, I didn't, didn't really understand it because I hadn't the depth of understanding at that point. And, um, you know, I'd had a couple of experiences when I was young that brought me into contact with other energies that were outside of this kind of realm. And um, they kind of brought me along and helped me direct myself into a different kind of way of thinking, I guess, you know? Yeah, well, I always say that the, the earth is, the world is full of magic and signposts, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you do you think then there's like a direction for people or like a so if there's signposts then it depends which which sign and path you're going along that then it's, it's dictated i think it's about what feels right and the like you'll come into a conversation like you say or with people i don't know it's not like i know anything i'm very aware i know nothing you know but my my feeling is that um that we often just um if you're good at listening to your to yourself to your own truth then to your own true nature that you'll find your way because you'll react to those situations by knowing what's right for you or whether it feels good or whether it's like exciting you know if it's exciting or fun you're going to follow it right and yeah they're just the little signposts that we have and they're not they're not they're not you know they're not always like big hammers of the head they can be quite subtle you know and you and and if you've got a really busy life or you know you don't spend much time on your own or being quiet you might be very good at listening to those things and then you might never find your way onto your own path and it's just an opportunity to have 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 a life here we we, we can have it or we can not there's this wonderful man, he's dead now, but he's like my hero. If there is such a thing, you're allowed to have heroes, you know, but um, there's a wonderful philosopher and, and thinker and writer in Ireland called John Moriarty. And he used to say that all ground is sacred ground. All ground is sacred ground. He said, no matter if you're in, you know, the hardest part of Dublin or, you know, the most beautiful wild part of, Connemara or Kerry or whatever or wherever you are in the world he said that like it's all just part of the mother's body beneath you know and so you know you can never really be disconnected from it and I I do believe that you know and um I think we just like to pretend we can be disconnected from it but I don't think it's possible you know so don't worry about that <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, isn't it a lovely thing to say though isn't it yeah like so, he was so special you should look him up you can listen to him on youtube he's the most amazingly beautiful beautiful person his um name is john moriarty he's one youtube video there or somebody has one up it's called seeking to walk beautifully on the earth and he um he's kind of goes in and out of christianity and he gets really upset by you know the fact that in in the catechism or whatever part of the bible it says that you know 
we are here, that everything on the earth is here for our use and benefit and that we man should have dominion over the earth. He said that's he reckons that's where we all went wrong, you know. Um so then when you're doing landscape then and then you have this connection, do you find that when you have interactions with people they understand is this like a simple like when you're saying oh we need to connect back to nature and and look after and give back is this a concept then when uh, as because i'm assuming that you got a job in landscaping after your degree well no i just started i've I've never had a real job other than like working as a waitress or something in college to keep going or no I've never had an actual job for working for someone else um I've only ever worked for myself if that's what you mean designing okay. garden. yeah and that's incredible then did did you start off straight away with this is how I want to design things or was it how like what they demand is what you supply um it was always whatever they saw on the telly the night before oh okay and Quite, it was quite demoralizing. I was a good designer, you know, because mm -hmm. I'm I'm creative. You know, that's kind of my super skill, <laughs> you know. And um, I could design whatever they wanted, like you know, whether it was an Italian style or Japanese or modern or whatever, like you know, I could do it. Like, but it's just suddenly couldn't. I was I just knew there was something wrong. Like, and then I I moved back to the countryside in Wicklow and somehow being in nature again I had a dream and in the dream I was a crow um swooping down over a pristine old intact Irish landscape you know and um I was going over these incredible pristine clean drinkable rivers and um old woods old oak woods and yew woods and um I heard my own name being called by my own voice and so I swooped down in my crow farm into the woods and down through the trees and I saw myself you know painted blue sitting on a log kind of smiling up at my crow farm you know um and I, I remember everything just froze and it was a very simple dream but I kind of froze and woke up and realized instantly that gardens are a very poor version of the real deal, which is nature. And what am I at like? Mm. What am I at? And so I, um, I decided I had to do this differently. And it, see, it's been a long process for me. And I don't know where it's going to bring me next, but that was the first step of the process, which brought me to this flower show in England called the Chelsea Flower Show because nobody would let me do a wild native garden at the time and so I, I knew I did what I could only imagine doing was putting a, a showcase garden together and sure if I'd known what I was getting myself in for there's no way I would have done it like <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was quite a process and I managed to pull it off and it kind of launched me into an international career you know um which came to an end pretty quickly, really, when I ended up being a single parent a few years later. But I still managed to drag myself around the world designing gardens, but it was um, it was with the restriction of either a child under one arm or 
two children under one arm and um <laughs> are just managing to do as much as I could but it wasn't like it wasn't like you'd see people I was never one for leaving my children with other people really or you know if I was a man I mean it would have been different you know that's just the way it is you know the way the world works I could have had a fantastic career but then I wouldn't have found my way here which is a different anyway I'm rambling I don't even know what I'm rambling about no I love it there's a few questions there's one is when you're when you're designing um those kind of gardens that people see from tv did you have a relationship with those gardens afterwards or was just design and then leave no was just done gone I had no connection at all to what I was doing it was just about impressing the clients making them happy getting paid and getting out and doing the next job so that's what most people do yeah so my thing is when you're with it through your dream and you're saying you know when you when you have this realization that that at what we create is nothing that touches the same as what mother Na- mother earth has already created in in yeah. its intricate system it's then do you get feedback on the wildlife that's there or the the how the person feels afterwards when they're interacting with their space yeah well what happens is generally the people who employ me to build an ark which is an what i call an active restorative kindness to the earth you know rather than a garden um it's because they understand that that we need to change what we're at you know that, that we have made a balls of everything really and um most people are very down about that when they realize how bad things are you know and so they hear me telling people that if you do this with your patch of the planet it will restore some level of hope and give you the energy to take action outside of your own space which is what happens because when I design these spaces it's 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 a I have to think beyond what the land needs what the client needs it's also what the creatures need so I have three clients in my head the whole time right so I'm I'm weaving the client's needs within the space, but it also has to serve the land and the creatures that need sanctuary, you know? So um, it takes a, it, it's quite a, it's quite a, a new layer of my brain that I had to activate at the same time. So it's like multitasking, but there's another extra layer now, you know? <laughs> anyway, so what happens is I design these spaces and they're, it's about creating as many layers of ecosystem maturity as possible. Cause like, you know, I'm not, I'm not naive. I know that you need thousands of acres to really restore a working ecosystem that doesn't require anything to do with us. Once we've taken out the non-native invasive plants and creatures and restored all the ones that were missing, we can walk away. Like we're not needed in this web of life. Like we're the only creatures that are not needed, you know, everything else is needed and we, we've just torn it apart really, you know, but what happens when I, when I, when I create those spaces for people, they always want to get back in touch and let me know that this has turned up or, Oh my God, these have turned up or whatever, you know, and how amazing it is and how, how, how quickly nature can recover with a little bit of support, you know, and it's not about stepping back and letting rewild. It's not about rewilding. It's about restoring. And restoring takes a lot of work, you know, because 
because like your friend was saying earlier, we have done an awful lot of damage and you can't just expect it to fix itself naturally. You have to step in and do all this work, you know, and um, but there's there's more work involved in building the garden. Like so you may as well do this because this leads you to a place of hope which leads to action, you know, and it also creates these tiny pockets, which may seem like nothing at the time, but the idea is to create a patchwork quilt, not just a patch, you know, and, and to, to somehow, even though they may not be connected, they are stepping stones um, for creatures that may not have support in in a, in a vast desert of gardens you know but these are stepping stones and and kind of safe sanctuaries and for the time which is coming i'm sure when the most important work that will pull the whole world together is to restore nature and it's something that could pull everybody together outside of all the wars outside of all the global crazy new lunatics who seem to think they're going to go live on mars and forget about what is what we have here, here. Mm. I really think it it is the one thing that can pull us all together is for everyone to step up and restore nature and how quickly it can happen is what what will really blow people's minds and like within years we can pull this all back I'm fairly sure like not to the layers of depth of thousands of years that it takes to build a forest you know mm. but but to the point where it's growing again rather than shrinking and yeah. and actually, you know, have surging life through the oceans and surging life through the soils. And like, it's such an obvious way forward for all of us. And there is no, no leadership in politics. There's no leadership out there. So the only way that we're going to find this future is for all of us that have any land under our care to take it on ourselves and actually do it now and not wait for that time when this happens is actually to do it now yeah. and if you can restore your patch of land it's amazing how many people in your life will get you know inspired by it and that's how that ripple effect happens you know yeah i wanted to share with you i don't know if you know but in australia we have um land for wildlife where um, it's the same similar concept of re replanting but if you're designing everything in your space with that kind of multitasking idea so that everything that you design can it also be habitat as well as mm. whatever it is you need it to be you know in a sense you know um so if you have to create a boundary as such can you how can that boundary be habitat? And the obvious thing is native hedges, native trees, native shrubs. And so it's like, that's where the key is, is looking at everything as, okay, how can this also be habitat and sanctuary for the creatures I'm sharing it mm -hmm. with, you know? Yeah. And that's that's the key to changing how you look at all that stuff. And And like, we are going to have to stop having cars let's be honest like we can still have a shit hot public transport system you know if if there was any leadership that would be an obvious thing to focus on but there isn't so but at some point i'm pretty sure that all these roads that are 
that are cutting up all our lands will have to be re reverted back into walkways, psychopaths and parks, you mm. know, and they can be green corridors and links and they can actually animals and creatures can cross them without fear of most likely being killed. And um, I mean, they, it. I mean, once people understand that it doesn't matter if you have an electric car or a diesel car, it's all crap like it's all damaging to the earth and you know that isn't they aren't solutions because the rubber tires are one of the worst pollutants you know in fact so it doesn't matter if it's electric or diesel or i mean we can't keep fooling ourselves that just changing things slightly is going to fix this i mean mm -hmm. there is no more important um, issue than a livable planet and you know it's not like it's not like we can just change the way we're looking at things and put a nice greenwashed spin on it it's not going to stop us having a dead planet like mm -hmm. and it, it isn't that far away from i mean it's becoming increasingly obvious in the world that that the politicians and corporates are completely disconnected from the will of the people who mm. want this to be different they don't want wars they don't want destruction they don't want poisons they don't want any of this nobody wants this anymore and what we have to realize is they're our servants these people not the other way around and it's very close to tipping point i think when people will step up and go come here lads get the hell out of here let's just do this ourselves you know and maybe we won't manage it but we will have to if we're gonna if we're gonna pull this off you know mm. but it's such an overwhelming task that what I keep saying to people is don't worry about the overwhelming task. Just take your patch of the planet, fix it, and then inspire others to do the same. And we'll have this quiet revolution happening underneath everything else that's going on. Reading your book, reading about your story and, and your life and things, it's so refreshing to me to know that you know you've gone through so much you've seen one side of the world and then you're seeing this other you might not know which direction you're going but i love your voice in the world and i'm hearing your voice in the world and that's <laughs> what you know i'd like is to be able to have that voice and to make sure that my short time in this world is um for something good instead of following the standard of what we've created that isn't working yeah i know i know but you're you're doing that like you're doing that you just you mightn't feel like you're doing that but maybe maybe there's just sometimes i think people feel like they need to do something massive in order for it to have an effect you know i mean i i haven't done anything massive i i i, I just i just came up with an idea and you know i put pretty pictures online about the idea <laughs> <laughs> you know i wrote i wrote the book to kind of back it up and i wrote the website to back it up um but um yeah okay so maybe my idea was a big idea okay yeah okay fair enough it was a big idea but <laughs> i see that with like you know people who do the smallest things can have massive ripple effects throughout their lives, throughout their families, you know, back through ancestors, forward through the next 
layer of people if we manage to make it that far um you know the small this like if you take like i really do think there's something really special about the layers of understanding and energies that we don't really acknowledge anymore but the indigenous people still acknowledge it like so they could take a water hole out there for example and they could pray over it and sing into it and make it magic again and that has a massive effect right and there's no feeling that that doesn't have a massive effect that's just that's like you're taking and encapsulating the whole of mother earth in this one spot and working on it and that'll have an effect like and even if it's only like your tiny backyard or whatever it is if you put your energy into that and you might feel like nothing's happening but I promise you it is like it is like that's you know if you're healing that one space because the, the thing you don't understand is that indigenous peoples understood this all Irish people always understood this before they were finally completely colonized and um, and squished is that um, we are simply reflections of the earth beneath our feet. So all land, its health is just a reflection of the people that live in it, you know? So, you know, like you say, it's a monoculture of people in a monoculture of a landscape, right? It's very little there, right? It's not you know the the plants are missing their communities their their diverse communities as as the people are there's nothing mm -hmm. diverse about the community there that you're representing or working with or whatever it is but if you take your piece of the planet and you restore it back to its true nature you will find that your true nature is restored as well and that's what happens and and that's where the key is, that's where the magic lies, that's where the hope lies, because suddenly you're creating, you know, an army of people who have restored their true human nature, which is one of guardian of this planet. You know, we're guardians of this planet, we're caretakers, mm -hmm. it's our only role here, you know, and, you know, sure, we have to kill things in order to survive. But we're going to come back to understanding that that is not about terrorizing and traumatizing creatures. It's about a different way of being mm. on the earth, you know. And so there is stuff you can do. And and within that, if you keep working on that, you'll find the other stuff, whatever that might be. And so don't lose hope that you're working in a city without any soul because you clearly are full of soul and you know you're open enough to be um sensitive and emotional and you feel everything you know and being uh, allowing yourself to feel all of what's going on in this world is very very difficult but it's the only way we're going to keep going is by allowing ourselves to feel it all you know but yeah, some days it's a bit much. So that they're the days when you go down and read a book or watch a movie or just say, oh, I can't do this anymore, <laughs> you know. And um, that's okay too, you know. But sure, it'll all be grand. I mean, either way, even if we don't survive, it'll be grand. Like, you know, it'll all be grand, like, you know. 
just hard that we're taking down so many things with us, you know. And, yeah. And that so many people and creatures are going through so much because of our aim for convenience, you know, the root of all evil. Um, but look at a shirt, it'll all be grand. Whatever way it happens. <laughs> we're only here for a moment anyway, you know. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about either. Like I'm only, <laughs> I'm only just reacting to what you're saying. <laughs> but I hope you understand or you acknowledge that you've done. Like, I mean, it must be a beautiful spot to look in hindsight of what you've achieved. Like to 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 start where you started to say, you know, those restrictions of not being taught anything, not being able to um, have the same opportunities as your brothers, um, to then study. And and then to make something of yourself on your own, to go to the Chelsea Vow Show, whether you think that's a high achievement or not, I think the core of that one is to show somebody from your background what they can achieve, what they can do, and then as well as a female within this world of of that. Plus, then again, somebody who's talking about nature, not just how we see, like you said, on the TV or the magazine, following the fashion of what it is. To punch it through that, it's incredible, um, like achievement in life. And not to say that what like if you don't achieve that, if anybody doesn't achieve that in life, they're not anything. But just absolutely incredible. And what a powerful human being you are to to do the <laughs> things that you do, guided by the way that you do it, and, and do these things and like create an arc. With, and then just sharing. Yeah, we don't see that many uh, role models um, in society. <laughs> I, I mean, they're out there, but we're not given the platform, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. It's very kind of you. I don't really think about it like that, to be honest, because most of the time I'm driving my kids around or, you know, <laughs> just just uh, walking the dog or working in the body tunnel. I don't <laughs> I don't think of things like that. I'm mostly, although I do try and find the time to start writing down thoughts because I do have a lot of them and I'm not very good at expressing them in words. You know, I, I, I'm good at writing them down, but when it comes to talking to people or, you know, trying to explain where I'm coming from, I don't, I don't find that easy. Like, you know, but it's very kind of you. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me, a stranger you didn't even know. Um, no <laughs> I it, really... was it was actually lovely to meet you. You're just gorgeous. You're a really bright person, really, really special. And um, I really enjoyed talking to you because I came on to the call and I was tired and I really didn't want to do it. And within a couple of minutes, I was excited to talk to you. So thank you. Oh. You really impressed me as well. I love this strategy of putting your artwork there to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a job that I haven't finished and I was supposed to have finished and I'm leaving it there to find myself. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely amazing. I couldn't see much, but I could see little. And um... <laughs> yeah. there's also a question I ask all guests because it's Tree Talks yeah. podcast. Mm -hmm. um if if trees could talk what do you think that they would say 
Um, I think that all trees are just as unique and individual of, as every person. So I have no idea what each tree would say. I mean, every tree has its own knowledge, wisdom, character. I mean, I have a tree that I go visit here every day. Um, he told me his name is Kevin. He's a pine tree and he's just gorgeous. And I realized um, after an, an unusual moment, I realized that um, Kevin was one and a half times bigger than all the other pine trees I'd planted because he was getting all the attention. And so now it takes me ages to go for a walk because I have to talk to them all, but they're all very unique. They all have different, <laughs> same way people do, you know, um, and they talk to you through your heart, the same way like an animal talks to you through your heart. Like you can, like my, my, my dog or my cat, all these creatures, which, you know, um, my cat has to, is very funny. I have two cats because I had rats in the house and they couldn't stay in the house. So I got these two cats and they're very well trained. They go outside for a few hours every day and they're the worst ecological disaster in the world. So I make them wear these collars, which are like clown collars covered in bells and lights. And so they can't catch anything, which is very upsetting for the for the cats, but it keeps the rats away. But um. They all talk to me and I can hear them like, and it's not like I'm unusual or I'm a Dr. Doolittle or something. It's just one of the things we've forgotten. Like, you know, um, you can, if you quieten yourself down, you can, you can hear all of them. And it's a different type of hearing. Um, it's a feeling hearing, I guess, you know, and, and sure. I know when I was young, I used to be embarrassed by telling people these things because, you know, they think it's funny or that you're mad or something, you know, but I don't care anymore. That's the good thing about getting older, like, you know, don't care anymore. And um, but you can hear all the plants so you can hear them yourself. You can hear what they're going to say or what they want to say. And you think you're making it up, but it's not that you're making it up. You're just hearing it. And it's not that you're making it up. You know, sometimes your mind can get in the way, but it's just you know you, you do know the, yeah you know the difference like, yeah you know? um like kevin really likes when i come to talk to him and he he talks to me about the farmer next door who sprays chemicals and you know how he has to keep his back to the farmer and he's trying to grow up tall so he can hide he can hide, he can hide this neighbor's house from me which is up on the hill because he doesn't like that they can see in and you know he's a really interesting character you know and um so if trees could talk, they'd say whatever that particular tree would want to say, I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I love it.